0: Well, cities around the world have been witnessing a rapid proliferation of super tall towering skyscrapers that are over 800 feet in height. Uh, This as land becomes more scarce and forces developers to construct these taller buildings on smaller bases. To tell us more about the various pros and cons of uh, this kind of development, We are very pleased to have joining us from the School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape at Newcastle University, Professor Stephen Graham.
1: Hello. Good morning, or good evening, I should say.
0: Right. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor. Uh, First, do you believe that these uh, super tall buildings are indeed a uh, growing necessity for um, increasingly dense uh, metropolises, cities like Seoul?
1: Um, I must admit I'm a little bit more skeptical about the... The definite need for such very, very large buildings. Um, I think certainly cities need to, to move vertically, um, to, to cope with increasing population growth and increasing demands for space. I'm a little bit more skeptical as to whether they need to move so dramatically vertically. Uh, I think building cities of towers of over 600, 800 meters is often motivated by, um, the need to put well, the, the desire to put cities on maps, to put places in the global, mm. um, the global media, and to add value to all sorts of real estate developments, very often they're not really designed to house large numbers of people. Right. Um, in in terms of the growing populations of the cities.
0: In essence, it's, it's really more for bragging rights uh, in a lot of different cases, right, to have that kind of landmark building that people can just sort of uh, get some free publicity from uh, rather than actually uh, addressing the needs of, let's say, shortage uh, shortage of housing and et cetera?
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't get 600, 800 meters house, um, towers full of social housing. Um, they are very much elite projects funded and manufactured by... Political elites, real estate elites, with a with a view to the global media uh, recognition that is obsessively focusing on which is the tallest, which will be the tallest, and it's uh, it's I find it a little bit childish if I'm quite right. honest. This this, obs- this obsession with being uh, slightly lo- slightly taller than than the preceding preceding tower. Yeah. But everything that that so-called skyscraper race really um, really addresses any of the real problems or crises affecting affecting cities and the reason that you can really see that this is about uh, vanity quite to a large extent is that a very large portion of the very very largest tallest towers is not even lettable space it's what they call vanity heights. Yeah. Um, it's so it's so um, thin at the top of the towers like the Burj Khalifa currently the tallest uh, building in the world that it's actually only able to accommodate an elevator shaft. Hmm. That's, that's all there is there. There is no lettable space. So the only reason that I think it's 230 meters, the very top bit of the Burj Khalifa, the vanity height of the Burj Khalifa, the only reason it exists is to allow for those bragging rights.
0: There is a metaphor somewhere <laughs> in regards to uh, a yeah. male endowment yeah. and, and all of this. Uh, I'm sure that. Well,
1: there is actually. Yeah. There is actually a long history in architecture of, of sort of the masculine aspects of architecture being heavily emphasised, um, the sort of phallic aspects of, of architecture. Yeah. And it goes back, right. It's, it's, it's as old as architecture itself. It is a little bit like, um, you know, boys in the schoolyard on a sudden at times.
0: Yeah, Why do you think then there are certain quarters that are kind of portraying this as a potential solution when uh, it does appear, as you've said, these are really more vanity projects. These are really more uh, for the elite, and it doesn't really address the issue like we have in Seoul of people simply just getting priced out of decent, affordable housing within the city.
1: I, I actually think there's a gigantic myth uh, being manufactured across the world that building up will save the city automatically. There's a, there's a lot of economists are saying that you know you, we have all of these crises about overpopulation, we have these crises of land pricing um, and the, the only solution is just to build up. Mm. you cannot equate you cannot equate just the simple construction of buildings um, to an automatic solution of housing crisis. It's a question of who owns the properties, who has access to the housing, how are they being designed and produced within the, the ways in which housing is regulated and produced. And Given that most of these are elite projects, they are going for the, the, um, the small populations of the world that are doing incredibly well out of globalization and becoming incredibly wealthy. I mean, all of the towers in London, being targeted at the um, what they call the super prime end of the market with uh, huge penthouse suites organised for often absent billionaires who buy it as an asset in times of volatile economic conditions so when you see real estate being produced as an asset for the super wealthy that's got nothing to do whatsoever Mm. with housing crises in fact it compounds and worsens housing crises because people, too many politicians believe this, there's a simple equation between building up and addressing housing crises. Housing crises are solved when affordable housing is produced that is affordable for the people in the city, especially the lower income people who are desperately important to any city, the people that clean the roads. Right. that um, work in the restaurants that work in the health service, the emergency services all over the world, those people have been squeezed out of cities or into really desperate, often illegal housing because city authorities and national governments in many, many countries have completely withdrawn from any idea of thinking about who who occupies housing they don't they don't organize mm-hmm. social housing, they don't do any rent controls, they don't control what's been designed with a view the occupation of the housing, and instead they're getting too obsessed with this sort of uh, fetish of building up um, in a a very uh, very sort of naive way of understanding cities, which I think is extremely problematic.
0: What do we look at then in the future? Do you think this trend continues, or do you think, um, as you put it, uh, eventually city planners and policymakers and builders, they eventually come to their senses and realize there's a better way?
1: Well, there are some places that are that are doing things differently, places like Singapore where you really don't have any option
0: mm-hmm. to
1: house your population very, very carefully because um, land is so scarce in Singapore, the population is growing so quickly that there's a very strong public shaping of housing. There's still a very strong public reg- regulation of housing, still a very strong emphasis on rent controls to some extent and making sure things like because at the lower end the other the other key point is that in many countries there is some high-rise social housing but that's actually being demolished in many places in the in the united states and europe there has been such a backlash against social housing and admittedly many of the projects have been very badly designed that they're being demolished to make way for the elite housing so i think the question is you have to have social movements in cities Hmm. you have to have um... Critical research, which doesn't just get, fall into the um, the trap of a, being convinced that skyscrapers will solve the problem. Without all of the things that I mentioned, they they will actually make the problem worse. Very often, they will provide um, huge amounts of space for very very small numbers of very very wealthy people, mm. who are where the, where the profits are going to be made. If you just let the free market run riot, right. this is the, this is trickled out. This is trickled down economics that we've seen uh, lauded by the the conservative ends of the political Mm. spectrum in in urban discussions for the last 30 or 40 years and every time people start to believe that trickle down economics is the solution it it simply doesn't work and makes problems a great deal worse. This is so important because this is this this is the way in which cities will remain vital lively places with good services because the people on the lower income and here I mean middle incomes not just mm. lower incomes in many many cities people in middle income jobs are being squeezed out if yeah. those people are removed if those people are mo- removed from the city you're going to have a very sterile environment with very poor services because no one who maintains all of those crucial services, you right. going to be able to afford to live
0: there. Yes, yeah, it's, it's certainly a very important perspective to keep in mind here, and we do appreciate uh, uh, your insights. Uh, Professor Graham, we are out of time, but uh, thank you very much for joining us. Best of luck to you, sir.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you very much. That
0: was Professor Stephen Graham. We have Soul City News up next.